Welcome to the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. Snap, crackle and cheap pops. And here's your host, Mr. Phil Woodvine. That's right, ladies and gents. It's another episode of the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. Snap, crackle and cheap pops. I'm, of course, Mr. Phil Woodvine. And I've got a very special guest on today's show. Someone I've been looking forward to speaking to for a very long time. Trying to get him on this podcast. He's a very busy guy. He's all loved up, he's got kids, and he works, he literally ticks every single box. He's been a referee, he's been a, uh, a bit of manager, he's been a co-booker, he's done it all in a very short space of time. So please welcome to the show, Mr. Johnny Goodman. Johnny, how the devil are you doing? I'm absolutely fantastic, thank you very much for having me, Phil. I was expecting um, some sort of like cheer or like chorus or fanfare then, but... You don't have a, like any sound effects for me or anything. No, no, we we, we do all that in post production. We we've, we've got radio jingles that we've started to kind of put onto the shows now. We've got like an intro and an outro. It's an actual cheesy radio like jingle like you'd hear. Six and name, I suppose, isn't it? It's all about cheap pops. Well, exactly. I mean, mate, they were fucking ace. It was like thirty-three quid for three jingles. I was like, okay, let's see how they come out, and they were really fucking good. Like, I love good jingle. I fucking well, well, originally it was me doing the intro, so it's just me trying to do the show. And then if we come up with certain stories or scenarios or banter or whatever, I'd then do an intro in post-production. But, oh, you keep listening because we're going to talk about yeah. this, this, and this. And then, I, like, I hate the sound of my own voice at the best of times. Like, fucking Most hate people do hate the sound of your voice, Phil. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Um, <laughs> I can't even argue, literally cannot argue. But yeah, we, we, we've, uh, we're smashing out with these radio jingles. So even though it doesn't sound all you know, fancy now, it will do when this goes out. So I promise you, we will tidy you up a little bit. You could have done it yourself, like a little mouth organ or something. Like... I mean, me and mouth organ, I mean, somewhere, Kim Rock's, her ears are like burning. She's like, hmm, Phil's just talked about something. Probably not the only thing that's burning, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kim, if you listen no, she's, gone, she's gone straight now, isn't she? She's gone CM Punk. She's straight edge society now. Um, I, I, is she? I mean, not in terms of booze, surely. I mean, I've, I've got her a big bottle of gin for Christmas and a birthday, so. No, I mean, like, she's left that, that slut life behind her. <laughs> Hashtag slut life. Sorry, Kim, when you listen to this back, we, we, we do apologise. I haven't spoken to her for ages either, so I feel really bad that I can just, like, start, like, Given all the banter when she's like, well, we don't even speak anymore. We can't even say that to me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, all of a sudden she's, she's from Essex. Judging by the sound of you. I mean, uh, I mean let, let's be honest. We've all, we've all done a bit of slot life. We've all, you know, everyone's single lives, early doors. No. We've, all, we've all done stuff we're not proud of. Well, that's a different matter. But slot life, no. Things <laughs> I'm not proud of, plenty. <laughs> Oh, Kim, when you listen to this back, seriously, we do apologise. But you know what? You actually said um, a good thing before we even started recording. You said, we've not spoken to each other for like a little while, but we can pick up right where we left off. Kim's the same. Little, little while's a bit of an exaggeration. It's been like, I've not spoken to you since lockdown. That's been like nearly a year, so. Yeah. Even Jay Apter had the decency to give me a phone call a couple of months ago to check in how I was. You, nothing. Just this now, just for your own gain. Oh, I'm oh, such a dick. Podcast, oh, nobody else is going to do it. <laughs> Scraping the barrel. Well, you know, anyone, any self-respecting uh, person, uh, they won't have anything to do with me. So, uh, True that. Yeah, it says all, really, doesn't it? It says all, yeah, mate. It does. 
Uh, but we, we are going to talk about some really, really cool stuff today because, like, I, I'm going to blow a bit of smoke up your ass. You've done a lot in a short space of time. I did. I did like, do you I was looking back through it today. Do you give yourself credit for that, though? Do you look at that and go, Absolutely you know not. what? That's, that's really quite a fucking lot. I mean, give, give me a little timestamp. So when... Uh, like I remember seeing you in the audience at a Britannia wrestling show. I think is it Denby? Because that moustache yeah. that you had stuck out like I thought it was stuck on. Like it looked, it was bad. <laughs> you were like the most <laughs> disguise. Bill the Butcher from um, Gangs of New York. Like it was, yeah. You like a cartoon villain. Like you should have had like a newspaper in front of you, pretending to read it. Yeah. Um, so g- give me some little timestamps. So uh, when when did you get into this wrestling business? In terms of uh, started watching wrestling or wanting to sort of take it take it up as a bit of a hobby slash career. Uh, well, I'm I'm going to imagine that you're a wrestling fan early doors, like as a kid. You've kind of got that about you. I mean, yeah, would that be right. Yeah, my first sort of like meaningful bit of wrestling that I remember watching. Um, my dad used to record. The wrestling on Channel 4 back in the day. It used to be on Sunday nights, didn't it? They used to have like Royal Rumble and stuff on and that kind of stuff. And the first event I ever remember watching fully was Royal Rumble 2002. And it was the Cactus Jack uh, Triple H match, the uh, the street fight that I just remember watching over and over and over again. I absolutely loved it. Um, the Royal Rumble that year, I can't remember who won it. 2000, all the marks going to be kicking off going, I'm going, how does he not know this? It's, um, I believe uh, it was... Uh, well, it was 2000 rather than 2002. 2000, sorry, yeah. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb. I think it might have been the big show for some reason. No, it was. Uh, it came down to The Rock and The Big Show and... Uh... Like, they'd turn it into a story where the Rock's feet had it at the floor, but, like, he rolled back in and that right, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I just remember that event, not so well, obviously, but just being the the moment that I was like, yeah, this is fucking awesome. I loved it. <laughs> oh, uh, since 2000, then, it's sort of like, growing up, my dad would tape the odd events that were on Channel 4, but it wasn't until sort of mid-teens, 14, 15, I got into it religiously. Uh, I used to go to a mate's house, a couple of doors down, they had Sky. We were underprivileged council estates type of shit, but they got the, the kids next door had Sky, so I befriended them quite quickly. I was like, yeah, get something out of this. Um, and, yeah, we used to watch every single event, every single pay-per-view that was on, on box office, uh, on Sky, whatever it was on at the time, and religiously would stay up. You know, you know the score. I don't need to explain to you or to anybody that's listening. You know what the kind of stuff that we do as wrestling fans. You know, with the time difference in America and here, you, you sacrifice a lot to watch these events. But yeah, uh, growing out of teen years into sort of adulthood as such, um, I, I sloped off a little bit uh, towards sort of like I'm trying to think what year it was. I can't remember. You know, you, you know what it's like. You fall in and in and out of love with wrestling, don't you? Yeah. You watch it consistently, then you don't. You get back to it. But then I remember just going. Uh, started working in a kitchen in Llandudno, uh, one of my first work placements, and they had uh, an order board with like spikes on it that you stick each order on when it comes in. And I always remember a bikini picture of Trish Stratus stuck behind it, and the screws were screwed back in. And I was like, 
oh my god, why is there a picture of Trish Stratus here? And it turned out like they had Chef was absolutely obsessed with wrestling, and that got me sort of back into it. I was absolutely like obsessed with it again. We'd talk about it consistently, be watching Raw, be watching SmackDown every week, and yeah, it was just from that point onwards, it was it was like it was back again. We'd make an effort to watch it, watch all the events, and. Yeah, it's, just, it's not really let up since then, having, you know, getting married, having kids. That didn't change anything. It just sort of carried on the same. It's like, this is me. This is what I do. You'd like it, Olympic. Sorry, yeah. kids. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got to give you a little bit of info at this point, because obviously you said Royal Rumble 2000 was the first one you watched. I think there's maybe a five-year difference between me and you. Yeah. Um, yeah, about there or thereabouts. In so, terms of age or in terms of when you started watching, what are you saying here? Oh, sorry. Uh, in terms of age, I mean, I, I started watching in the late eighties. Like, I would get like, my uncle had Sky, and he'd take me the occasional show. And from the age of four, five, six, I, I'd been watching it. So I was, I'm quite old in my sort of wrestling taste and all this sort of thing. Yeah. But the, the only reason I know that Royal Rumble 2000 so well is I was in high school, like the last year of high school, when that was on. So that would have been January 2000, because the Rumble's always in January. Yeah. And it was the first pay-per-view that was on Channel 4 on terrestrial TV. So just like you, I was a, I was, you know, a poor kid. And um, you know, Silverdale's uh, it's coal mining town, so you know, lots of poor people. Mm-hmm. And we all had school the next day, you know, because it was Monday morning kind of thing. So we stood by the bus stop with 20, 30 other kids. And you could tell the ones that had stayed up to watch the time. <laughs> it, it was on till 4 a.m. And yeah. we we're all getting up at like 7 in the morning to get ready for school. And you catch like a half eight bus and whatever. And we all looked like we were just smack rats because we just had like two, three hours sleep. And you could just tell it was like it was like a really nice moment that we all shared. And that's kind of how I remember it. So I am old, but it is remembered for a very good reason. Yeah. It's a sacrifice that we make. There's so many times where I've had to go into work the next day and whether that be from watching <laughs> wrestling or being at wrestling and you know what it's like sometimes, you know, with these events, they, they, they sort of, you have a few drinks if you're watching or if you go to a show and then you have a few drinks after and oh my God, sometimes the zombified states that you have to be in the next day. I'm like, is it worth it? And you go, fuck yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it, every single time you might at the time think mm, but yeah it, it, it's always it's weird. not necessarily because of the show that you've been to or the show that you've watched it's the people that you see the people that you meet the memories that you make that are just priceless um for instance like you put into our situation we've not spoken to you for the best part of a year but you you obviously alluded it to the beginning we just crack on as if like We'd been seeing each other every week like we had them when we were doing shows together. Nothing changes. You make friends for life. You make family. And it's just the wrestling community, although it can be sometimes toxic and horrible and bitter sometimes, you know, and especially speaking, you know, in terms of things that have gone on within the industry, especially in the UK the last couple of years, you still can't, you can't let that jade actually the good that wrestling does for a lot of people. So you say about that, the, the, the smack rats that you saw in the bus stop and the sort of way that you sort of bonded to some extent. It is, it's like that throughout the whole wrestling community. It's, I love it. It's amazing. I miss Absolutely. it. Um, so, you know, fan from 2000. Um, I don't remember the 
wrestling show, I said that that saw you on. I remember like seeing, I think it was you and your your, your son, and you had this massive like moustache and beard kind of combo. I mean, you were you were hipster before the hipster was even a word. Yeah. No. Yeah, Why? Hipster. Why would you say that? Well, it's you know when you see those kind of hipster guys with the tight jeans and um, shit beard at best. Most you, people that are listening to this have probably know me or you know seen me at least. It was a terrible beard. I look back at it and I think, why did you do that to yourself? The moustache on its own was pretty epic, but to have it without the beard, I just looked like a pedo. So I was like, that can't, that can't <laughs> thing. It's true. I've got a picture of me on my own uh, with just the uh, the beard, the moustache on its own, and I'm like, you're going to get pulled over here because there's, you know, you like suspect number one. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to make comparisons to you looking like a pedo because you're bearded. Like, I just wasn't going to take this podcast. Oh, no, I do it to myself. Yeah, you, you, you happily went and did it. So, yeah. I mean, what sort of year are we talking? Because I'm pretty sure I was with uh, Britannia Wrestling. It was either 2014 or 2015. I, I know the fact, uh, my first ever wrestling show I went to, indie wrestling show, that is, you know, excluding anything that Deb have done. Uh, it was the El Bandito tournament, and it was in February 2015. That was the first ever wrestling event I went to. It was in Denby Town Hall. Uh, I don't think you were on that one. Oh, uh, no, I know. Uh, Mad Dog Mark Angus tagged me in a picture from that show. Yeah. I believe. You might have been the one after. I'm relatively certain. I went the... to a few after that. I, I spent a year of going to most Britannia wrestling shows. So, yeah, yeah it might have been the one was the first one. We were, we were the red right hands uh, in the pitch who tagged me in, so I'm guessing they hadn't even been formed by that point. I could I be wrong. I think but... so, no, because I know that the there was no red right hand presence on the card that I can remember. Uh, it was very much sort of uh, the Danzig era, the ultraviolence era, era, which is just before you were forming, wasn't it? Yeah, we, we kind of overlap a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, they were definitely the presence before. So us. I remember I'd not seen, obviously, I've not seen any of these wrestlers before. And uh, the card was, was pretty good, to be fair. And all I remember was uh, Danzig winning it. He won the tournament. Obviously, he was a massive heel. And then he gets presented this shield thing. And he absolutely just yeets it and smashes it to bits. And I was like, oh, my God, what a little cunt. And you can bleep that out after. Um, and then he goes to get the Welsh flag and tries to burn it. And I was like, oh, my God, they're actually going to do this. <laughs> and then D- uh, Dylan Roberts came down to make the save, which was like proper pop and a half. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of that's the fundamentals of what I remember from that show. Uh, I took my little lad with me. and I've got some pictures and stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't even realize this even existed in the UK. I've been a wrestling fan for so long, but never really looked at indie promotions. I'd seen... The uh, the rip-off shows, you know, the, the tribute shows yeah. with your fake cane and fake rock and all that kind of stuff. And it never it never interested me. I was like, why would I want to go and see fake wrestlers or people, you know, yeah. interpreting them? It didn't, it didn't appeal to me. But then when I found there was actual indie wrestling, it sort of really, uh, it really t- tickled my fancy. And I was like, yeah, I could, uh, I could get along with this, especially being on the doorstep for me. So uh, I'm, I'm, because honestly, like I don't, I didn't know this much about you in terms of your sort of journey into this business. So you've not done 
wrestling training. You didn't go along to the you know, the sweaty yes. uh, dojos and. I did. I want to say about a year, years worth of wrestling training. My ambition to begin with was to be uh, a wrestler. Even at, I think I was about it's twenty sixteen. My first wrestling session in April twenty sixteen. Uh, I would have been my master's shit, probably about twenty eight. Um, and I went along to the the North Wales Wrestling Dojo in real, obviously, or the BWP uh, dojo that they have. And I spent about a year training quite hard, to be fair. I, I took it very seriously for a year. I got in shape. I got myself down to 12 stone. I was doing, you know, various fad diets and trying to work out and thinking, you know, if you want to be a wrestler, you need to be fit, you need to be healthy, and you need to have the image as well. And that's obviously something I didn't have, and I still don't have. But um, I was like, I, I really wanted to do it. But in the short space of time that I was doing training and taking my bumps and, and doing things, uh, doing the, uh, the training, uh, I got a message randomly from Steve, uh, Steve Saxonize of BWP. I'd not really spoken to him much other than booking shows and yeah. get the initial information about the training score. So that bearing in mind, I started in the April of 2016 in the June of 2016, I actually got a message out of the blue saying, how do you fancy doing some ref training? And I was like, what the fuck? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, didn't know what to do to begin with. I was like, I don't want to be a ref. I want to be a wrestler. And I, I, I forgot who I had a conversation with. It might have been Steve himself, but I was like, I don't really want to go down this avenue. I really want to be a wrestler. I don't want it to, to hinder, you know, my progress as such. He said, listen, in this industry to be, to get forward, you're going to have to take steps in maybe other directions you don't particularly want to go into, but it's all part about all part of learning the business, understanding the business, and getting to grips, you know, with all aspects. Because yeah. if if you just prim- primarily focus on one area, you're not really going to be a a great wrestler or a great ref if you don't know what else goes on. Because it's that intertwined. Everyone needs to know everything essentially. Um, so I was like, do you know what? I'll give it a go, and and see what we see, see what we see what happens from it. So I was like, so do I have to go on like a training course or or what? You know, what's involved in ref training? And he was like, oh, speak to Ryloid uh, when you go into training on Saturday, uh, and then we'll we'll run you through some some drills and and this kind of stuff. I was like, all right, okay, thinking oh, it's going to be quite intense. There's going to be loads of like maybe an exam or something, and I literally just. <laughs> sort of just stood there and copied what I I didn't even get told to do anything I was just like you can be the ref for this training match and I was like okay so I just copied what I'd expect a referee to do from watching countless years of wrestling and that essentially was my training Wow I'm so very much chucked in at the deep end Yeah and I suppose it testament to myself that I managed to sort of do a bit of research. I spoke to a few people, you know, I was lucky that Max uh, was lived in the same village as me. He was uh, quite influential on why I went into BWP and how I heard about it. Um, his t- he was taking his kids to the same school that I took my kid to. Uh, he was running a charity show in Rithin 
that year in 2015, I think, is how I heard about BWP. And then I got talking to him, and then he's the one that sort of like, he's the only one really that gave me much guidance. No disrespect to Steve as such. Obviously, he's a busy man. But in terms of one-to-one, I could speak to Max, and he sort of encouraged me and gave me advice and critiqued in the in the early part of me training but I say training so the 6th of June I got the message to say um do you fancy taking you know some referee training and you know working to be a referee and me thinking oh it's going to be another year of doing that by the July I was already refing on carnivals and I believe it was the 16th of July, 2016, BWP Summer Rumble. That was my first gig as a referee. So training in April, 2016, asked to be a ref in June, 2016, and actually ref my first show in July, 2016. It's basically two months. I'd gone from a wrestling trainer to a ref, training to be a ref as well, and then doing my first show. Because obviously you mentioned the BWP Summer Rumble that year, 2016. That was my uh, my infamous rumble. That's when uh, Ry Lloyd sat on your head, wasn't it? Yep. All of his body weight, uh, body weight came uh, crashing down on my throat. So uh, I, think, I think there's a photo of me checking on you, actually, well, somewhere. Well, that's, that's the best bit. So obviously Ryan didn't mean, if anyone listening to this, Ryan is... Very safe. He'll not hurt himself on occasion, but he'll never hurt you. He's he's very professional. Awesome, he's awesome. A top guy. bloke. I love Rye. Yeah, it's just genuinely one of those good guys that when you see him on a show, fucking awesome. Uh, unfortunately, follically challenged from an early age, <laughs> but I think it's hereditary. Yeah, definitely. But um, so I'm I'm in this rumble, and it's a proper rumble. It's like 90 second entrance and all this sort of thing. I've had babyface pitbull sat on my head, slapping my sunburn on my back. So I was in Italy like two. Did actually bum you once? Oh yeah, he's bumming my head. uh, Dog, doggy action, doesn't he? Yeah, but he sat he sat on my head doing it, so he got me in a hammerlock, sat on my head. Did you feel his balls on your neck? Oh, I I felt the mutts nuts. Yep, nuts nuts. Um, I got, like I got beaten up by him. I'd um, taken you, know, I've taken shots from Max Davies, that was the ref, but he did like a spot in the rumble. Like I was doing a lot, showing I'm, I'm not a wrestler. Max I, Davies I, had a spot in the rumble. Oh Shot yeah, horror. I know. Get getting this shit in. Who'd have thought? <laughs> like I'd, I'd taken a bit from everyone. I, mean, I was Ryloid tried to go for like a I don't know if it's a senton or leg drop. Leg it drop ended up was. crashing bum first on my throat like the entire body weight hit me in the throat and the very top of my chest and couldn't breathe i rolled out and just kind of caught my breath a little bit and uh, the all thing this... about that is even though it had happened in kayfabe and all that he actually like was so apologetic and checked on you during yeah. the match you can he see did, when he, you watch it back he, he, he kept checking in on me so i, I was fine after yeah like some, a little kiss couple of minutes. um Dylan Roberts come in, I go to like nut shot him and he kind of grabs me, chucks me at the top rope and I'm lying on the floor and like steam is coming off me. I am hot. Like I've been in that match for a good, I don't know, 40 minutes, something ridiculous, which probably out of shape non-wrestler. I didn't, I is didn't, that where you wore yeah. your little pink pants? Yeah, my little black and pink trunks, mate. I, I've, I've got them especially. Um, the little, I look like a dad going in the swimming baths because I don't <laughs> Little dad bod. No, not quite dad, more like creepy uncle. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but that, that's spot on for me. Isn't it? <laughs> and I got chucked out, and I remember like lying on the cold wooden floor of the Denby Town Hall. I've got people laughing at me. Some some kid in the front row was kicking me in the head. Like I don't care. I am out. I can, I can breathe. I'm good. I'm good. And you come running up to me, and you you squeeze my hand and kind of put your face in. I was like, Phil, you good? You good? So I'm good, mate. So leave me. I am fucking hot. Oh, cool. And you went back to do you carry on checking on the match. You came back two seconds later. Oh, by the way, Ryan says sorry. And I started, <laughs> I started fucking laughing like really badly because I was like so relieved it was kind of over. I just had to crawl to the back. Like, oh, by the way, Ryan says sorry. And I started like having to corpse because I was just pissing myself. <laughs> so I had to like hide my face in the floor. Like, <laughs> I just remember uh, sort of leaning up against the ring apron and Ryan come to sort of uh, come to one of the corners and he was like, it's still all right. He said, "Yeah, he said he's fine." I obviously at the at the time I didn't see it happen, uh, yeah. and he was like, I, tr- "I think I've hurt his neck. Can you tell him I'm sorry?" I was like, "All right, okay." So I just came tootling over. Uh, Ryan says he's sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. I love that, but he is one of the good guys. It, it was a mistake. Obviously, he didn't mean anything, and he was he was so apologetic backstage. And I do give him a hard time about it. Like every year when it comes up on Facebook memories, I'm like, "Hey, all right, remember this? You tried to take me out. You're your friend, your promoter, your your colleague. Remember when yeah. you were trying to take me out, bastard?" But no, he's he's a good egg. Shit happens, doesn't it? I mean, we've not got on to beyond BWP yet, but I was a ref in a match for TNT. And there was a spot where Joey Hayes had to come uh, and pull me out of the of the ring to stop the count tag team match, and he pulled me out, but he didn't let go of my he pulled me really hard, but didn't let go of my leg early yeah. enough for me to put both feet down. So I had to come down on my left foot, but I came down on my toes, and it actually broke both my toes in that match, and I. Uh, didn't know it at the time. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. I sort of gave him a, a, a telling off, like, and then I carried on. I finished the whole match, and I think I did another match after that, uh, and then I spotted Joey uh, at backstage. He goes, are you all right, mate? Because you could see me limping. I said, no, oh, mate, I'm not good. I don't know what's happened. When you pulled me out, I just went over on my toes, and he was like, shit, mate, I am so fucking sorry. And he was so apologetic, as if, like, he'd done it on purpose, but Obviously, it was purely accidental, um, yeah. and it's just like, like, like sort of reiterating your point. No one goes out there to intentionally hurt anybody, you know, kayfabe and all that. It, it's a everyone has to look after each other. It's supposed to be safe. Yeah. It's supposed to be entertaining, but it's also supposed to look realistic. So stuff like that shouldn't happen. Uh, but on, honestly, he was uh, he was so apologetic, and then for weeks after that, I was like giving him shit, giving Joey shit, like. Oh, uh, you broke my toes. I've had to take weeks off work and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I was like, I'm, really, I'm really winding you up, mate. Just hobbling on. Yeah, I mean, like, Joey is like, again, like we said with Ryan, Joey's just one of those, like, good guys in the business. Really, good really sounds, Yeah, really, really, really nice. Um, so, yeah, like, so you, I mean, you, you start reffing really early doors mm-hmm. and you kind of got, got the sort of whole world in your hands at this point. You, you're, you're getting... Uh, bookings in Liverpool for TNT getting bookings at uh, obviously Britannia Wrestling on your doorstep and all this sort of thing and lots of people are very complimentary about you they're just saying you know what he gets it you know, you, you, no, you, you were very complimentary and that was it <laughs> Every, was you, to be fair you were very complimentary 
every show that I ever did, predominantly sort of, yeah, BWP, TNT, you'd always be in the crowd or working the show. And the amount of encouragement, the amount of uh, sort of plaudits I got just from you alone, it spurred me on enough to be like, do you know what? It gave me belief. And it might sound like proper, like, ah, slick, I'm on your podcast doing this, but it is genuine. I, I say it, you know, from my heart, that you're one of the only people that would ever give me praise, sometimes critique, but always encouragement uh, from, the, from the very beginning. And I, obviously, the further down the line I went, when I wasn't such a newbie, other people came and approached me and would obviously, you know, give me feedback, positive, negative, whatever it may be. But from the very beginning, it was always you from day one that would be like, do you know what? You're doing a good job there, mate. You know, I don't know whether you'd sensed it or you knew or you knew how I was feeling or what. Yeah. It was just like, it was crazy. But the amount of encouragement that gave me, because although we didn't know each other personally and didn't really know each other professionally too much either, just from what shows, I still looked up to you. I looked up to everybody because I was new. I was the newbie in the business. So anybody that was already on shows would, in my eyes, be deemed higher up or a veteran and therefore you don't you know you don't fucking don't answer back you take everything on the chin and it was just nice to get the praise from you fucking hell it turns out i can be a nice guy after all apparently who'd have thunk so. it just not to women apparently <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> uh, another, another promoter gets gone fucking hell yeah. <laughs> no not in that way not like no. in a sexual harassment lawsuit way Thank fuck for that. Just being a horrible little bastard, like. I mean, only to Kim, really, because then Kim expects it to. Yeah. Is she really a woman? Um, she's more. I'm going to say she's more than a woman. <laughs> You're going to sing it for me. Definitely not. Definitely, uh, definitely uh, not. You missed an opportunity there. Yeah, like I do remember, like giving you compliments and all this sort of thing. I always think. Uh, yeah, I think it's sorry. I sort of I brushed off on a point there. It wasn't just compliment. It wasn't a complimentary like, oh, you did a good good job there. As a whole, you'd always be very very specific in what you were complimenting me on. It'll be something that I wouldn't even think about or notice. Like, oh, when you went down for the count and did uh, and the position you were in, it was absolutely fantastic. You looked over, you did that, and I'd be like, just little specifics. I'm like, how is he even noticing this? And then you, I was like, am I doing it on purpose? Excuse me. Or, you know, is, is it obviously it was just coming naturally because as we've uh, just spoken about, there was no sort of training in terms of yeah. knowing where you should be or how you should act or, or anything like that. Um, I think it was just a case, like, I mean, when I go to shows, there's certain things I like. I don't look at it like a talent. I look at shows like directing a movie. I don't view myself as a, bo- I hate the term booker. So it's, just not a fan. Doesn't even say booker. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't even say booker on my on my business card. Like it says events manager because the real world knows what an events manager is. Yeah. And a booker uh, doesn't really or booker whatever. Yeah. Um, the the real world doesn't know what that means. So when I'm at a show, like I'm looking at it as if it's a movie. So if you're the ref and you're blocking um, the crowd's view of the pinfall, mm-hmm. then that's not good. Yeah, that, that's not good because even though you're quote unquote not a performer, you are a performer. The referees are performers. The, yeah, the, the the DJ is even a performer. People working the merch, they're, they're all performers. It's the second someone turns up at your venue, 
yeah. you are all performing. Even people, um, I went to a show in Manchester, the, I don't know if I dare say, it's Manchester Press and Academy, I know that's a bad term to say, but one of their trainees was just working in the, I think it was like the raffle and like the food stall, and there's like protein bars, crisps, bottles mm-hmm. of water, and cans of pop. And he was just being a bit downhearted because he wasn't on the show. And I was just like, no, mate, you like you don't you get it. You, you, you are on the show. You might be in the corner just selling crisps and stuff, but when people come up to you, it's up to you to leave a good impression on this person because then when you are on the show, even if they look at you and say, that's that dude that sold me two bottles of water and a bag of cheese and onion, yeah, you're still you you're remembered for something, exactly. and being remembered for something or anything is being is better than being not at all remembered at all. Like people come to the show, and every person they meet, they're not necessarily judging, but they're going to go, "Oh, that lady on the door, she was really nice." Yeah, or that goes back guy to what you said about Steve saying when I obviously Jeep was about taking the reffing gig. He said every single part of this, you know industry is integral everyone has a role to play you know somebody on the merch does a bad job or leave you know is horrible to somebody it can leave a bad impression on the whole company so yeah. you might have a really good shit hot wrestling show but that one person who had a bad experience at merch is going to go away probably a bit pissed off yeah like even from something as you know, selling raffle tickets badly you go fucking hell he's a bit of a yeah. dick and it's, Although it's just not there's not much hope for you in life if you can't sell raffle tickets well, I mean, like, how do you do it badly, mate? You would be shocked. Like people tearing down the book, or in Kim Roxy's case, giving out the wrong info despite it being her idea to sell a raffle. That's standard, Kim, though, isn't it? That is very. That is very. If you haven't written it down on a card, then you still get it wrong. Yeah, I mean, it, the like, I didn't want to do a raffle on pressing a few shows. I hated it because to me, it just sounds a bit okay. summer fair and mm-hmm. like, oh, we've got a tombola. Oh, get in the bin. Yeah. don't like it and it's her idea and I said okay you run the raffle and she said All right, I'll run the raffle you'll see how much you can make and obviously we've not looked back because we make a decent amount of money yeah. from the raffle that's where her Butlin's experience comes in or whatever it was she was yeah. doing and credit to her for putting that towards you and you for taking it on board because it's become such an integral part of actually pro wrestling for you other wrestling shows might not do it they take themselves a bit more seriously but you don't, and that's what fans actually like. Yeah, I mean, we've said that to Daniel Terry, like our announcer, that when he's, like, he genuinely, nobody, I'm talking, whoever I'm going out with at the time, because, you know, I've done progressing for for 10 years, I've, I've been with uh, a lady or seven, I think, in that time, I don't know. No guys? And, uh, apart from you, uh, <laughs> we've never been out. We we look we look too similar, me and you. We've both got similar yeah. facial hair, similar quiffs. If me and you start doing stuff together, is that is that actually bumming's all right though, isn't it? That's borderline masturbation when it's me and you because we look too, we look too similar. I suppose like looking in the mirror. <laughs> but like, like nobody in um, in Progressive Future aside from me knows what our raffle mania uh, booby prize is. We get something truly terrible, like a Christmas CD in the middle of summer. Mm-hmm. Or a ducky, a ducky inflatable shower cap that was won by a bull bloke, which was perfect. Um, fishing, a fishing for poo board game, um, and no one knows. So, like Dan loves it. Dan can sell it, and it's genuine. It's like, I do not know what is in this, but it is terrible. And if you win it, you've got to come up here, have your picture taken, and 
people come up to you at 20 quid at the raffle at the, the, the merch table and say i want 20 quids worth of raffle tickets i really want that booby prize and go god damn it so what with people it was two quid <laughs> you're going to be like yes i shall take your 20 pounds and it just becomes part yeah, another like a part of your show it's nothing written down or anything but it is part of your show so everybody whether you take tickets whether you're on the merch whether you're security at the ring whether you're a ring crew you are a performer you are noticed and absolutely um whether you, you um felt like you weren't being watched or whatever i am purposefully i try and watch everything you know i'm i know i've got like a bit of add adhd any of that sort of stuff but i'm i'm so focused std obviously um <laughs> I got got rid of mine last year. It's fine. A couple of tablets does it wonders. It's clean as a penny. You know what I mean? Fine spanking. Um, <laughs> I'm biting my tongue so hard because if we weren't being recorded right now, there'd be all sorts of crap coming out. It's a good job. It's a good job. It's probably for the best. I don't say too much. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll skip over this once we once we Do crack on stop. Tongue. <laughs> we'll before we nip off. Seriously? Well, well, what was it, what was it like? Did did it turn green? <laughs> you know, but everybody is everybody is a performer and if someone now i don't consider myself a vet i mean i've been in this business coming up to 14 years in may i'm not a vet i am though a, a sometimes wrestler most of the time manager most of the time promoter commentator and also announcer for um you know, unstoppable wrestling so i've kind of got you know, my fingers in many pies and um i'm not saying that my opinion means so fucking much but if you just give You've been around, haven't you? You've got experience. Going back to the STD thing, I've definitely been around. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've got, um, I like to think I've got a good eye for, for talent and a good eye for saying, you know what? I can pull out your positives and help you hide your negatives until those negatives turn into a positive. Yeah. You know, if, if you've got skinny legs, cover them up. Tan. Tan is like one of the best bits of advice I'll ever give to a talent. If you're a bit thingy about your body, which we've all kind of got a bit of body dysmorphia every so often, I'm sure of it. Tan up, it hides a multitude of sins. So if you just take someone to one side, tell them that, and they'll look a bit, mm, I don't know. I can tell you what, mate, Luke, use this stuff. It's free quid. It'll last you for fucking ages. I promise you, if you don't feel better wearing it, like I'll, I'll, I'll buy it off you. You know, and just give someone a compliment, build them up and make them yeah. feel good. There's you know? too many people, not I say too many, but there is a lot of people in this industry who will quite happily step on you to get that, you know, that one step closer to their goal, their dream, whatever. But for every one of them, there's like 10 people like yourself, you know, like the people that have helped me, like Steve, like, like Jay, who would literally just care so much about building the industry, building the British scene. So, you know, you might, you might, anyone that's listening to this that's just come into the business or still in the business, come across people like that. You just have to ignore it and, and realize that, you know, they're the kind of people that we don't want in the industry that give a bad name. You know, it's not about, it's not, it shouldn't be a toxic place. No. Like you say, give, people, give people a compliment. You know, if the guy on merch is a bit downtrodden, you know, tell him he's doing a good job. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, I really hope if, I, if the people listening to this, and you come back to wrestling, do that. Just tell people they're doing a good job. Yeah, like, is it is it that fucking difficult to so, say, you know what, mate? Well done. I know that doesn't apply just to wrestling. It applies to life. Just be fucking nice to people. I'm yeah. all having a laugh and a joke and a bit of banter, but 
just be nice to people. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm going to swing you into the first of our two sort of game showy kind of segments, and it kind of does fit in with what we've been talking about. Um, I'm a big fan of it's kind of like a quiz topic. I know it's a topic on a radio show called Unpopular Opinions. Now, I'm a big, big fan of this. Not because I like to argue, but I like to see what people do connect with and what people don't connect with. Because mm-hmm. there might be something that I absolutely love and will go to the end of the earth to defend. And other people just don't connect with it, I suppose. So um, we're going to have a, two rounds of unpopular opinions. So, Johnny, I want from you a match that you absolutely love. But for whatever reason, you don't feel it gets the credit it deserves. Or people kind of shit on it a little bit. Christ, you could have given me some prep time for this. Oh, no, I have to pick no something prep, out now. No I don't know what other people's opinions of matches are. I got my own opinion, but I suppose I'm just trying to think. Wow, That's, I, I'm no good on the spot at all. So bear with me on this. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you one of mine, not to kind of spur you on, but just to kind of show you my mindset. Yeah, People look at WrestleMania 19, and it, it, for me, WrestleMania 19 is superb. Vince McMahon versus Hulk Hogan. Now, we're not talking a five-star technical masterclass in the Tokyo Dome or mm-hmm. yeah, anything like that, but I'm a big fan of stories, you know, just tell yeah. a really good story, make me believe it, just take me out of my element for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. And Hulk Hogan versus Vince McMahon is one of the best stories that I've ever seen told. People shit on it a little bit, saying it's a bit boring, it's this, it's that, it's the other. Uh, there was too much interference because you had Roddy Piper kind of interferes and you got like multiple referees and then Shane McMahon comes down at the end. Obviously he doesn't interfere, it's done with, but you mean too much outside interference and not enough just them too. But I love it. The Vince McMahon popping up slowly from the ring covered in blood is yeah. better than anything I've seen in any Hollywood movie. And the cameraman, I like I did my research, the cameraman got lucky on that shot. Like, me as a director, I'd be like, oh, my fucking God, that's beautiful. Yeah, but the, the camera shot right there. Yeah, like, that's... Because, yeah, obviously, Vince isn't there in the back controlling that. The cameraman just got lucky, and they're like, oh, what a fucking awesome shot that is. Yeah. That's the guy from The Shining level good, you know what I mean? And yeah, people yeah. shit on it, but I love that match so much. You've sold it now. I'm going to have to go and watch it. Yes, WrestleMania 19. Uh, while you were talking there, I did actually, something but did pop into my head in terms of unpopular, in terms of what, uh, unpopular matches, which I actually really enjoyed. I really, really enjoyed the ultimate deletion matches, TNT, Matt Hardy and all that kind of stuff, all that shenanigans. The first sort of taste of what we got of these sort of cinema, uh, you know, the cin- cinematic matches yeah. we're getting now. But I absolutely loved them. People were saying, oh, it's not wrestling, it's not this. But I I loved it, absolutely loved it. Me and my mate used to howl because some bits were so funny and some of the wrestling was a little bit cheesy and gay and there's a drone attacking people, but I loved it. Yeah, I'm kind of in agreement with you. Like, I saw it and, like, I didn't get it at first, but I couldn't turn it off. And that's when I know yes. I'm not going to end up liking it. It's like, what am I watching? What am I continuing to watch? What yeah. am I watching again? But like that, I know I'm like okay, yeah. It's maybe it's not necessarily to my taste, but it's different. And 
Yeah, I'll completely, completely agree with you. Um, I just remember one, one bit in that. Uh, Matt Hardy's like, I think Jeff Hardy's got like a, a, a lawnmower and there's like a wheelchair, like a really old dilapidated thing. He's just like, mower of lawns, chair of wheels, mower of lawns, chair of wheels. And I was, I just remember howling. I was like, what, what even is this? What, what even is this? But I'd, like, like you just said, that I couldn't take my eyes off it and I'd be like looking forward to the next one. Absolutely. So, I mean, maybe it's not so unpopular because I quite like it, but fuck it, whatever. No, I'll completely it's agree on that one. we have the same opinion. But I know that when it first came out, there was a lot, of, quite a lot of outrage about it. And then people were just saying, this is not wrestling. This is yeah, wrestling. This was, the, the Jim Cornettes of the world, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I know a few people that I know that didn't like it. But that's the good thing with wrestling. Like, yeah, wrestling should be like a circus, shouldn't it? I mean, if you don't like the clowns, you might like the Hawaii. If you don't like the Hawaii, okay. you might like the, the beady lady. Uh, sorry, Kim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> got him back. Um, but you know I mean? The wrestling should be a circus. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So one more unpopular opinion I'm going to ask you. I want to ask you for either just a, a regular performer that people rant and rave about that you just don't, connect with I'm not saying you don't you know, that you don't think they're worth it or any of this sort of thing but a performer that you don't connect with you just don't get it i was going to go down the hall of fame route and say is there anyone in the hall of fame that you don't think should be in there but you know what, if you busted your ass in this business and you're in the hall of fame you you fucking deserve it i know what arnold schwarzenegger got like people you know, wrestling fans what's he ever done inspired a million yeah, yeah, folks yeah. to pick up some weights. I mean, fucking hell. Like, it's got a knock-on effect. So we're not going to do the Hall of Fame question. But yeah, give me a performer that you On what just level are we talking now? Are we talking sort of indie level or are you going, like, mainstream? You can, you can, you can take that whichever which way you want. If you want to shit on Ryan Lloyd, <laughs> shit on who... On so you have to be hyped top, first to be able to shit on him, don't you? Yeah, I mean, top to the bottom, right? Whichever, whichever way you want to take this. Um... You go yours first again. Give your unpopular opinion on this and it'll give me time to think while I'm listening to you. Oh, fuck you now. Know. Um, no, no, it's just me exhaling. Oh, um, I'll, I'll give Quite you impressed. one that I was so happy that I was wrong on was Braun Strowman. Okay. Uh, like when he kind of came in, he just, he just had that blank face, just almost like Neil from the in-betweeners, just really gormless and... I just thought, ooh, the fuck? Yeah, it's a big guy, but we've seen big guys before. He's going to be another Gene Snitsky. And, like, he started trimming up. He started doing the Mix Max uh, Challenge with Alexa Bliss. And his facials were coming on abundance. And he's got really good comic timing. He's really funny, really dry with his humor. And I thought, fuck, I've never been so wrong about a performer that I can, that I can, that I can remember. In that time again, which is served me well i've got actually who i haven't connected with don't understand the hype and particularly don't really like um we'll call him john moxley for now because that's who he's going by at the moment but even the dean ambrose character i just i don't get it i don't get it at all i don't like it i don't think he can wrestle particularly well um his old CCW stuff was good because it was extreme, you know, getting put through panes of glass and that kind of stuff. If you're into that kind of stuff, it's quite good. But I don't think they've been able to 
do much with it. Yeah, he's the champion and stuff in AEW, and he's got this massive push. And I'm like, why? I feel there's other people that could do better. He's not championship material in my eyes. He didn't carry it very well when he was in the WWE. He was good in the Shield, but he had other people to lean on there as a tag team, maybe. But I just don't understand it. No, that's that. You know what? That's fair enough. Like that's the thing. Say like wrestling. Um, just because you like it doesn't mean the next person does, and vice versa, and all that sort of thing. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll I'm just quite excited I'll watching a Dean Ambrose match or a John Moxley match. Even the one he had with um, Omega recently, I was like, it's just not great. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to like kind of agree with you on this one a little bit. I've never gone, yeah, I really want to watch uh, an Ambrose Moxley match. I'm like, all right, like I don't dislike him. I'm just, I've just not connected. Yeah, with him, I've never gone. Yes, I really want to fucking watch that. It just didn't happen for me. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of on the same boat as you then. Just don't understand him. Don't understand his character, and he's supposed to be some sort of lunatic and you know a bit crazy and. I just, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, like, so we're, we're going to get back on to you. So, why? Oh, you're you with, Brita- you? yeah. Uh, you're with Britannia Wrestling. You're, you're refing. You're doing bits with TNT. And I do believe it was two pound, I want to say June or maybe July, somewhere I know it's in one of those summer months, uh, 2017. We were going to try you out of press and view doing something pretty different to what you'd kind of been used to doing? Yeah, very much out of the box. Um, it was, again, from all the encouragement and stuff that you provided and advice, you're the one that actually approached me with this idea about going into into management. And I'll be honest, it was something I wasn't too keen on to begin with. Uh, and I was like, do you know what? If you don't ever give anything a go, then you never know. It could be a step. You could excel at it. You could fall flat on your face. But, you know, at least I gave it a try. Um, so I I was uh, speaking to you quite heavily about a concept, about some ideas that we were checking about, and, you know, about a, a persona as such for myself. Um, and I believe that you wanted me to uh, come down to Pro Wrestling for you and be the manager for Visage, yeah. which for me was unique in its own self. I, I didn't I didn't necessarily agree with it to begin with. And like I don't think that I didn't feel that he needed the manager. I felt that he had, you know, enough of a, a the charisma about him to not need it. But then I can't I don't remember if we had a conversation about it or just more conversations happened. And I was like, if that's what Phil wants to do, if that's what you know, it's his promotion, and he sees an opportunity. Just, just go with it. So, I'd turned up to the to the show. You know, my Jericho inspired manager gear and all, uh, ready to debut as such as this manager. Absolutely bricking myself, I was. I, I, I still get nervous. Well, I haven't done for a long time because there's been no shows, but I still get nervous. Uh, before shows now, even refing, even when I was doing other bits, which I'm sure we'll come on to later. But I always get so nervous. Have to have a pre pre show poo. Have to have one because <laughs> my belly is literally like butterflies. I yeah. I think it's good nerves in a way. Even though you might say, "Well, you're not wrestling. What are you nervous about?" Uh, I, <laughs> I pay. I do play an integral part in in the story that's being told. And I'm like, if I fuck this up. 
Oh, God, it's not going to be good for me. Not in a, maybe not in a professional sense, because mistakes do happen. And I don't think I'd ever get like sacked or, you know, not get booked anymore for making a mistake. But it's just like the shit that you get for it. And, you know, these lads or, or ladies that are in the ring are working so hard to put on a good match and they're doing everything right. And the fucking fat ref comes along with a shit beard and a quiff and he <laughs> just like forgets to count the three or, you know, do you know what I mean? It's like, are yeah. you serious? Just because you can't be a wrestler, don't come up here fucking at my matches. Amazing. That really is me. I think, um, yeah, cause, like, I remember like, seeing you on shows. Now, I wasn't going to put myself back on my shows um, to be a manager. Like, I, I, I did it early doors, but I, I couldn't run my shows and be a talent as well. Yeah. So I took myself off maybe 2013, 14, maybe 13, so along that kind of line. Uh, we had Vala Vendetta there. Um, kind of filling that sort of valet role for, for a good few years. And I think she would have left maybe the year before this. And mm-hmm. I, I was kind of missing seeing someone with with a decent manager. And yeah. not all yeah. ma- not managers have to go down the thin guy in a suit kind of route, which like a lot of people do. I, I know I did. Now I'm a slightly fat guy in a suit, whatever. Um, <laughs> like I, I like when, when people kind of, Take, take take a slightly different alternative route. They haven't got to be that right, guy. They haven't, they haven't got to be... Paul, yeah, they haven't got to... He had something different about him, didn't he? He wasn't just your standard manager. Yeah. I mean, like, like probably Paul Heyman's probably the prototype that people go to. They do and, now, because he's been so um, successful. Yeah, he's that sort of... I'm serving as the advocate. And... Yeah, spokesperson in a suit. And like I remember talking to you about, I think it was the, the when the road dog was the roadie for Jeff Jarrett. Something about this rings a bell. And yeah. I quite like that he wasn't a typical manager. He was kind of more. Uh, is it Mickey, the the trainer in Rocky? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. It was more like that. It was a bit more sweaty, a bit more grungy, a bit more um, let them do it and whatever. Yeah, like I, I like more the of a cheerleader. Yeah, I like the roadie doing that. And I've always loved Sensational Sherry. She's my go-to. She's no one will ever beat her. She's just that fucking brilliantly good. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea that Visage could have an entourage because I thought Visage entourage is fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm going to Britannia wrestling quite often, and I'm thinking, well, we've got a referee, Tony Barrett, and he he, he does it all. He's happy to do it all. He's fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. But, like, I really like this guy called Johnny. He works so fucking hard. He cares so fucking much. That's who I want in my, in my locker room. Someone that gives that much of a shit. And whether they get it right or whether they don't, they're going to work at it until it's right. Or they might yeah. say, you know, this isn't for me, but how about this? And I thought, well, put you in as a manager and don't want to put you with the typical people. Visage and you, I thought, we could do something with that because... Um, yeah, you're you're a heterosexual you're a heterosexual yeah. folk. You don't mind looking a bit of an idiot. You don't mind uh, hugging and kissing other men. I can speak for that firsthand. Pretty much. If our if our missus is listening to this, me and you are in trouble. But you're a comfortable bloke, you know, like say you kind of same as me and that sort of thing. So yeah, cool, whatever, mate. Like I'm I'm not fussed. And the idea that you and Visage could have so much fun. With that, yeah. Role. If I remember the idea that you pitched to me was I was going to be his manager, and obviously for people who don't know uh, Visage, very flamboyant, 
very open about his sexuality. He obviously, he he didn't always uh, he wasn't always um, trans with his act, was he? Um, he was more sort of male orientated, if I remember rightly, was he? Am I thinking um, too far back? I'm thinking. Yes, really. it was. It was borderline. Yeah. He wasn't quite full on uh, the the wig and all kind of stuff he does now, if yeah. I remember. But it was a, maybe a little bit more toned down a bit. Yeah, uh, obviously open, openly gay. Or um, I, I sorry, I assume that he's he was being openly gay. It's not my place to assume. Um, <laughs> but the idea was that I was his manager, but was oblivious to the fact that he was like that. Yeah. If that, if, if, is that, if, uh, am I right in saying yeah, that's what's pitched? So that it's quite there. comical. Yeah, because I think when people do um, gay characters in, in films, in TV shows, um, in wrestling a lot of the time, they do like gay characters really badly. Yeah. Like, just like I re like oh like some of carry on camping like it's that mm-hmm. too over the top and I know loads of gay people you know guys girls whatever and yeah they're just not like that and there's there's you know, some camp people or we know camp uh, heterosexual people um and you. I mean so, yeah <laughs> <laughs> you could say me or you and yeah very much in in that kind of context but like I love the idea that he, you know, Visage is doing all this stuff and. Your visage is cheerleader, and you're kind of just think the absolute word on. You're almost a fanboy yeah. of visage, but you're their entourage. You know, you're there. Visage has been the, the sort of diva, you know, that Beyonce kind of person. Yeah. And you're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a problem. Not a problem. I'll, I'll get that for you. I'll get that for you. Um, I think it, it was. Oh, fucking hell! Uh, Fifth Element, the Bruce Willis movie. Yeah, that's what it is. Like Visage was kind of like, is it Ruby Rod, the character that uh, yes, it is, uh, Chris Rock, Chris, yeah, that that he plays, and he's got all these kind of hangers on, like his little entourage, and we had that in mind for you to kind of throw you at the deep end, try you with something different, yeah. and you being the Visage entourage, I think was was fucking brilliant. Well, Unfortunately, and this is. Yeah, it could have been. Uh, unfortunately, as wrestling, the wrestling business goes, uh, on the day, shit can change dramatically. I think it was you and Visage versus Drill that was originally planned. Possibly. I can't remember. But, the yeah, card. relatively certain on that. I've checked the uh, match graphics out earlier. I'm relatively certain that's right. And it was like, I hadn't was... even debuted as a manager at this point. This is supposed to be my debut, wasn't it? It's supposed to be the yeah. big reveal. Um, and Visage unfortunately had like a car crash earlier in the day and was really, really shaken up. I think it was like early afternoon, maybe somewhere between one and four-ish, so when they're kind of getting ready to put, you know, pack the bag, pack the car. Yeah, I think he was on his way down, wasn't he? Yeah, pretty much. And you know, he unfortunately had like a car crash. He was fine, but Visage was obviously very shaken up and... Uh, wanted to make sure that they didn't have any kind of whiplash, didn't have any kind of effects after the adrenaline wore, wore off. Yeah. I said, you know, you know what, health comes first. So get yourself to you know, to a hospital, to a doctor. Um, you know, go go home, what whichever it is. Go look after yourself. 
let me know how you're doing. I remember him sending that message. He said, look, I know I'm busy. My phone is on loud. It's on vibrate. Message me later on. Let me know how you're doing. Don't worry about the show. We'll get you back on, which, which we did, uh, I think it's like the year after. Mm-hmm. But just let me know how you're doing. So you were kind of already en route. Um, yeah. We knew, we, we knew that we didn't have Visage. Luckily, we did have, I think Henry T. Grodd was coming down to do commentary with Magic Mark for this show. Um, yeah. And it was easier to just go, okay, well, we've got a heel in Grodd. We've got a face in Drill. We're going we're gonna to stick them against each other. Yeah. But we knew we didn't want to waste the opportunity uh, with you. You know, so spoke to, to Tony Barrett. He's like, man, I've got a spare ref shirt. I said, well, yeah, well, like, he's done refing before and he's really fucking good at it. And Tony, the nicest guy in the world. I will never stop you know, putting Tony over. Tony Barrett is a godsend of a man. He, he didn't look at it like, well, no, I wanted to ref all the matches. He said, yes, cool. I'll get together in the back. We'll, we'll split the matches up and we'll go from there. I said, fucking brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, so yeah, credit yeah. to him for sort of for yeah. both of you for sorting me out there because I was like I was already on route, so it's a bit shitty in it if you're already on your way to yeah. to cancel you on route. But um, yeah, yeah. I ended up doing a bit of a of a ref spot in in there, and that was the end, beginning and end of my managerial career. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, <laughs> it was a nice touch that we we asked you to ref earlier in the night the drill and grod match, which obviously yeah. you would have been part of that you know, the, the, the the drill match anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember sit, uh, sitting with you. Is it the back of the room, back of the Silverdale Working Men's Club? And I was yeah. saying, I really like when we do the heel referee stuff. I would you know, Nick Patrick is probably the best. There's no two ways about it. Nick Patrick was super about it, especially during the whole sort of invasion and all that sort. Mm-hmm. Of thing. I said, how about we do a bit of that because we've got two refs on the show. Let's do a bit of that. So early in the night, you referee the drill and grad match. And yeah. obviously, there was, no, there was no bias there. You just caught it down the line. Now, in the main event, it was the Person View uh, Championship. Um, Babyface Pitbull was the champion. Sexy Kev, the challenger. The loser leaves Person Few as well. So, just to add a bit, a bit more stakes onto it. Yeah. And it was, we knew that the crowd were going to love it anyway. But I remember saying to, um, I think it might have been with Kev, because we knew Kev, we knew Kev was going to win, obviously. And. I think I think I might have came up with a finish. I could be wrong. So if, if I hello, hello, onto onto Pitbull. Oh, if you look, oh, Skype's lost still me. Still there. Oh, are we back? Skype's lost me. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can, can you hear me? Yeah. All good. All good. Um. So Pitbull knocks Tony Barrett out earlier in the match. He just turns around, sparks him out, and the referee's down. Bit more shenanigans going on. They fight around the audience, blah blah blah, whatever. They put a wall, a hole in the wall at the back of the oh, room. Oh, they which did, didn't they? Shit! I forgot about the show that. Early. I was like, shit! I forgot about that as well. We had to like uh, Daniel Terry knew an, an odd job man that went and fixed it for us. But yeah, management wouldn't of the Silverdale Club. Needless to say, we're not too happy, which is fair enough. Completely yeah. fair enough. Um, Tony Bab gets knocked out. Uh, I think Kev might have gone for a pinfall. Obviously, there's no one there. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Uh, you come running out. You're doing your referee stuff. Just as you can see that Kev's setting up for the sexy splash in the corner. His finish. You start checking on Tony, the other ref. Kev goes for the pin. You can hear the crowd really going, oh, "Come on, ref!" Mm-hmm. And 
you, know, you don't see it, and finally you turn around and you give quite a sort of like it is called kind of cover, quite slow, and like yeah, yeah one, two, and then that's when he kind of kicks out. And there was enough people because we don't want everyone in the crowd to say that ref's a dick, but we yeah. needed enough people in the crowd to say. Come on, that ref being a dick. You are taking the absolute piss. Yeah, it was enough to be subtle. Yeah, and imagine Mark puts it over perfectly on commentary. I've never never watched it back, you know. You know what, mate? Once this is done, I'm going to hook you up with that match. Fantastic. Imagine Mark puts it over perfectly. Again, another guy that I can't say enough good about. Mark's an absolute godsend. I work with Mark at TNT, and he's, uh, he's really good at what he does. Got, uh, yeah, we didn't because he's doing commentary, you don't get to speak to him too often. They're off in their own little area doing what they need to do. But the few occasions that I have managed just to, to chat to him, it's always been pleasant and uh, very gentlemanly, uh, very good at uh, what he does as well in the commentary. Yeah, absolutely. Research. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's professional through and through, every, every ounce of him, absolute professional. Um, yeah, so he puts over really good on commentary. Kev grabs you by the, by the sort of by, by by your collar, gives you a kick upside the head, which I forgot he actually did that because that's yeah, he gave me a roundhouse, kind of a heel move. But I think the crowd at that point were willing to forgive anything because Kev was over, and Pitbull was over obviously as a heel, and yeah, the crowd were hot, like really fucking hot. For, for, they really wanted the tile change. Yeah, Kev gives you a lovely kick upside the head. I mean. Was that kind of perfectly placed? Uh, I didn't feel it, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. again, absolutely, absolutely spot what on. A professional. Yep. Bit more goes on. Kev hits his sexy splash. Referee Tony crawls over you. Know, typical crawls over, makes makes the pinfall, and you're kind of spark sparked out on the outside, or at least on the outside of the ring. And again, it's it's a beautiful moment, a really solidly beautiful person for your moment. I remember, there was, was yeah. Squad involved in that to some extent as well. Because yeah. I remember me, uh, Sam, oh, sorry, Pitbull, and I think it was Grod, all left via the sort of entrance. Yeah, we, we decided to kind of like triple down, quadruple down on the, the, the main event. If you get the shenanigans right for the main event, the crowd will be hot as fuck. So Grod's at ringside doing commentary with Magic Mark anyway. We knew we were going to go through to Grod and Sexy Kev after this with Pitbull leaving. So we kind of needed to overlap a little bit. Yeah, so, so it's set up Grodd, the next stage. Yeah, downs the headset, jumps in the ring, spears Kev just as he's doing his comeback and... Yeah, kind of chucks Pitbull on top of him. Such a close, you know, pinfall. Yeah, be- beautiful moment, beautiful mo- main event. So if people listening to this, go back on the Person View um, network at pwviewondemand.co.uk. Look up, release the Kraken from sort of summer 2007. Really solid main event. Really, really good. Yeah, um, it's good to be a part of that. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, you roll, obviously you're out the ring, Grod's out the ring, Pitbull's out the ring. Pitbull does give the middle finger to the crowd, which the camera catches. Rather naughty. Naughty, naughty. And I think you three leave via like the public entrance. You don't yeah, even that's what I was saying, you know, the way that the uh, the crowd came in, we didn't even go out the back. Yeah, again, that that was purposeful. I mean, we said like if if Pitbull's leaving, like he's lost to lose a lead person view match. He needs to go out the way he comes in so the crowd can say, okay, he's lost the match, but he's going back to the locker room. Doesn't make sense. So, yeah. uh, the it works so well. That picture that you, it just, it just works really, really well. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I, I'm not trying to say, look, I'm a great, great Finnish guy, but every so often, the blind squirrel does find a nut. So... <laughs> <laughs> It's for good. And I've got to give you like some credit at this point, because I think when we were trying to come up with your sort of concept for the whole Visage Entourage, you, you came up with Johnny B. Goodman. Just that little little bit to your name. Yeah, I, I can't remember if it was something I came up with. Myself. I think it, I'm going to give credit here, you know, to Steve Saxon. I think he always called me Johnny B. Good. And then it just sort of just, it stuck and it evolved into Johnny B. Goodman. Yeah, and the fact that I was going to be a bit of a dick and a bit of a heel was just a, a play on words and quite ironic in that sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that, that is superb. It rolls off the tongue. It's a bit Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad, which, you know, I don't, think, I don't know if Breaking Bad was around at that point. I assume it was. Yeah, it was. Not, of course it was. Um, like, it, obviously, a bit of Johnny, Johnny V. Bad from WCW. Just, yeah, absolutely superb. It's, it's one of those names that I go, that's really clever. Like, it's just a shame it never came into fruition. Mate, the, the night is young. You know? <laughs> well, you don't know. You never know. You know what I mean? Like, we haven't really got any managers really on it person for you. Are you putting an offer on the table here, you feel? Is this what you're Mate, saying? I, I am officially putting an offer on the table because I know you're a busy man. You, you, you're pretty much you're locked down with, with, with the missies. You've got kids. You're a busy, busy guy. I'm a very busy guy. Very busy guy. But I, I haven't that... actually done a wrestling show since, I want to say, like May, June 2019. 2018, 2019. Wow. Whenever I uh, I separated from the ex, that's that's when I stopped doing the wrestling because obviously I had kids to look after on the weekend and stuff, and yeah. all that kind of personal situation. I just didn't have time for it. You know, I had I was working full. I was working two jobs, uh, and unfortunately, you know, wrestling wasn't paying the bills at the time, so something had to give. So that's. I'm trying to think when the last show I did was. My mind's just blank. I, work, I, I think it could have been 2018, you know. Bloody hell, that's crazy. But, be. mate, the, the, the door for pressing for you, for you is always open. Like I said, like, I, I'm going to blow some smoke up your ass, but people listening to this, they're going to cotton on to the fact that I like good, honest, trustworthy, hardworking, banterful, just really good hands in that locker room. People that, if you leave your phone out or your wallet out, no one's going to take anything. They might look at your driver's license picture and take the Take picture. a selfie of your ass on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're never going to nick anything. They're never, yeah. you know, we've got really, a really good, yeah, we've got a really good locker room. And uh, I'm, I'm always on the lookout for new talent. So, mate, whenever we're back up and running, bring, bring the family. They're, they're all welcome. Uh, you will be performing it pressing for you. Thank you. That means a lot. Cheers, buddy. Anytime, anytime. So what I, what I do want to get into it was kind of like the, the sort of crux of this podcast was that you were sort of co-booking, co-agenting for Britannia Wrestling because for me, it kind of came out of nowhere because whenever I was at Britannia, there was Steve Saxon, the owner. There was yeah. Pitbull, sort of co-owner, I suppose. Yeah, uh, he was, yeah. We were partners, yeah. both of them. And Michael Holland, kind of maybe a bit of an agent in the back. Yeah, he had a, he had a big influence. Um, um, I want to say uh, Dylan Roberts, he had a massive influence in the booking. Very yeah. good friends. And, and also, to, at one stage, uh, Dean McManus as well. He was quite heavily involved in the in the sort of progression of terms of storylines and booking and stuff like that. Um, which He disappeared off the scene, I think, 2017. And he... he 
he was a he was a character. I like Dean McManus. He he was yeah. a good he had a good wrestling brain as well. Yeah, really, really smart guy. But the the cool thing with because he kind of like came out of nowhere. We I remember getting to a show. It was at the Thrift, and you you were stood in the ring. I think Pitbull was behind you, and you were stood in the ring, and you were running everybody through the show. That was yeah, the, the car. Yeah, because we're, we're we're about to open the doors. We've got ten minutes. I need everybody to listen. This is what we're doing. And for me, that's what I do on my shows. I get everybody together in the locker room. And I read them through the house rules. I like, don't chuck the microphones. This is the card. Stick to your times. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever, whatever, whatever. And seeing you do it, and people were kind of like talking and laughing, and you weren't taking any shit. You're like, no, guys, seriously, save the jokes from the back. You know what I mean? I need to get this out. We've got like seven minutes till the, 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 we've got to let the, the audience in. Yeah. Save jokes at the back. I need you to listen to me. I was like, there it is. I like got into dad mode. Mate, but like it needs that because it's sometimes it a bit like a youth club. Sometimes we're stood around chatting and chinwagging and all taking the piss. Sometimes when you are running the show, you are very, very much aware that 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 clock is permanently ticking. And if you've got to open the doors dead on seven and start dead on half seven, then you you've you know, you feel that. The wrestlers don't always feel that, but you know you feel that. And I thought for a guy that doesn't run the company, you're running the company. You're running front of house. Yeah, Zach uh, took a took a, a big a big leap a leap of faith. And he obviously, much like yourself, saw something within me and thought, "I can trust him to do this." Although Sam was the co-owner and he was on the show, but as you you spoke about earlier, he was talent as well. So you don't get time to be able to to do all the stuff in terms of running the show uh, when you're trying to you know book your match and plan your match as well. So yeah. the fact that both of them, uh, you know, had enough of a of faith in me to do that and like you said in a such a short period of time um was was you know it was nice for me but um it was it was good that the talent reacted well to it as well so they obviously had enough respect for steve and sam so well they've chosen him they've chosen him for a reason so i never never got any shit i never got any any crap for doing it um which is always positive because like you say you know people can be quite outspoken um, so I'd like to, maybe I command enough of respect within myself. Uh, I think it might be the chef, you know. The what? The because obviously you you you're a chef for a while. I was about to say that. I think my when when you were saying about addressing the uh, the room when I was head chef, obviously team meetings and addressing uh, the kitchen staff or whether it be restaurant staff or management meetings, it sort of came natural. So you, you have to command a certain level of respect. Um, not that. Respect is deserved, respect is earned, but obviously that was a, a factor that played into it. I also had enough respect from, from the locker room for them to take notice and listen, I think. Yeah. I mean, did they just kind of take you to one side and say, Luke, um, this is what we'd like to do, or is this what you would want to do? I mean, how did they kind of approach it? Um, I think it was classic, sort of like the ref situation. I think Steve just messaged me out of the blue one day, said, you fancy doing this? And I was like, yeah, go on then. It's literally as simple as that. No training necessary. So I've been doing a bit of production and helping out on, on that side of things. And it was a case of it sort of went hand in hand. I was doing the booking meetings. I'd booked most of the shows with them anyway. Uh, so I knew the, what was going on from top to bottom. You know, I, could, I just was a helping hand and Steve couldn't be there. And I just, just filled the gap naturally. 
And um, honestly, uh, from the, that point, uh, people were very impressed with like how you were running it. Like, there's no two ways about it. Because sometimes, and I'm I'm speaking through like just my own opinion at this point. So when I won the Britannia Wrestling Wales Championship, yeah, uh, I personally think it was a silly idea, but I get why they did it. I was in the back. I had Steve Saxon telling me one thing: "No, you should wrestle in your suit." I'd be telling you, uh, uh, Babyface Pitbull, saying I should kind of like wrestle in like a dress down suit, so take the jacket off, or just take the shirt off and wrestle in trouser, trousers and boots. I had Mark Holland telling me another thing, and uh, Don Micho as well. So obviously, I was with uh, Don Micho for the, for the most yeah. part, what Britannia stint, um, all telling me different, different stuff. And I, it was very, like, I was nervous, you know, one-on-one matches when I'm winning the title and I've got to remember all these spots because as a manager, you don't, you got, look, when I go up to the turnbuckle the second time, that's when you jump up and shake yeah. the ropes or I'll kick you off. Yeah, you get two or you get what You get one spot, yeah. Um, but this is a whole match and each one of them telling me to wrestle differently, to loot differently. It was, it was so refreshing to have one voice, one clear yeah. voice, one person to go to and say, what do you need? This is what I can do. What do you need? And let's see if we can kind of meet in the middle. Yeah. So for me, once you were, you were stood up in, in, in that ring, telling people and being that point of contact, I, I, was, I was relieved, really relieved, because you know what you're doing. And there would be one person to speak to, not four. So, I, I winged it to be honest. You say I know what I'm doing. I haven't got a fucking clue. Hey, no one knows what the, no, one's <laughs> what, no one taught me how to promote a show. No one ever teaches you. No one ever sits you down and say, this is how you book a show. You just do it and you sink or swim. That's the best thing about professional wrestling. It's improv. You know, so when we did the unpopular uh, opinions thing early and said, oh, you could give me a heads up. No. Wrestling's improv. No, so it was always going to, it was always so obviously with um, Britannia Wrestling now changing hands, where does this leave Johnny Goodman? No idea. Like I said, uh, I'd sort of backed away from the industry, I want to say 2018. No, 2019, sorry. It was 2019. We're in 2021 now, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, so definitely 2019. I didn't know what fucking year we were in. Um, <laughs> definitely 2019, I, I took a step away from the industry. That in all bookings, I didn't do anything. Uh, didn't do anything for Steve. Didn't do anything for Jay. Haven't done anything for you or any any other requests that came in. I turned everything down. Um, so during the the handover between uh, Steve and Sam at BWP to Alan, um, I sort of got lost. I suppose I don't know what's happening. I've not been approached by Alan. I've not been asked by Alan if I want to work for him. So. In terms of BWP, as far as I'm concerned, it's sort of like that ship sailed. Uh, I, you might say, well, why haven't you approached him to want to work there? Um, I'm not in a position to be doing that at the moment, so I wouldn't actively look for it. But if someone asked yeah. me on a one-off, would you want to come and do this? I'd consider it. <laughs> I know, it's not much, I'm a bit out in the dark, to be honest, but it's difficult because they took over what just before lockdown happened, I believe. So they didn't. I don't, yeah. think they, I don't think Al's even had to have been able. Alan Ryan, sorry, have been able to run a show yet. So it's difficult. It, it might have been a bit later than that. You know, I think it would have been maybe. Um, like I was kind of made aware of it in 
sort of July, August, September-ish. It was kind of like late summer that Stephen Stephen Sam kind of telling people. I mean, obviously that would they would have had you know talks with Alan and all that, and obviously Ryan as well. But mm-hmm. that's kind of when when it was known somewhere in that kind of gap, July, August, September, perhaps. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean. Um, I don't. I, I, I don't know if I dare say this. I don't know. If, I don't. If I want to shit on your chips. I mean, Alan and Ryan have approached me. <laughs> <laughs> I've been approached by TNT to go back at any point, though. Like I said to uh, to you at the beginning of the conversation we had before we started record, recording. Um, uh, Jay got in contact with me just before Christmas, just to check up, really, asking how I was, what I've been up to, how I was coping, and then basically said, "Listen." I know that you're, you've taken some time off recently and you're sorting some shit out, but to whatever capacity you want to come back, just give me a shout and I'll make a space for you no matter what it is. How, you know, it's non-committal. You want to do one show a year, come and come and do it. And I was like, I appreciate that, Jay. Honestly, it meant the most to me. Uh, just the little call out of nowhere to to just... He wasn't asking me to come and work for him or anything like obviously, but he just wanted to check out I was all right. And I thought... He didn't need to do that. Yeah, I'm not a, a massive part of his life in a in a personal sense. I wasn't really a big part of the, you know, the wrestling sense. I'd only been part of TNT from 2017, so only maybe three three years. But just a referee, you know, it's just a referee. So in my opinion, I was just like small fry. But for him to take that time to 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 message me and. And, and ask you know, how I was doing. Just it really resonated with me really well. I really just just meant a lot. Um, yeah. Me and Jay have always had a good relationship. To be fair, really from the start, like I've just been myself, and I think he's like that. Where other people are maybe maybe I'm my own worst enemy. Sometimes I'm just too treat everybody the same. So yes, you might be in a position of authority. I am respectful, but I'm still. I still have the same level of banter with you as if I was with another lad in the locker room. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that boded well with Jay, and that's why we got along. But um, I think we got along. He might absolutely hate my guts, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's doubtful. I mean, I don't I don't know a person that would say. I mean, I'm sure that there'll be someone somewhere that'll say shit about you. I mean, it might have to be an ex, but you know what? We've all got them. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean to be fair though, like me, me and um, you know, speaking of obviously TNT, me and Leanna were like really cool. So we obviously we share gingerbread. She has him for a month, I have him for a month. Oh, lovely! Uh, as exes go, she's a good and she's a good egg. So fair play, fair yeah, play. I can't, it's nice can't say that. Yeah, I can't say that about all my exes, but you know what? <laughs> exes for a reason, aren't they? Exactly. Things exactly. just didn't work uh, out. Exactly. I'm gonna have to ask like a TNT question. So, were you there? With, obviously, we everybody rips into Max Davies. I mean, he, he does get a lot of abuse. It's all banter. It's not. Uh, you know, it's not bullying anything uh, like that. I mean, anyone that yeah, anyone <laughs> that kind of like locks eyes with him for longer than two minutes ends up pregnant. So yeah. you, you kind of want to say hello and then walk away. Exactly. Um, were you there at the TNT show? I think it would have been like the sort of the quote unquote dark match. Just what are you going to tell when he wrestled in when he in his jeans? Yeah, please, please tell me this story from the locker room because I don't know if I was at this show. I can't think for the life of me. So can you tell this story? I think Max might have to tell it better. But me and Max both uh, live in the same village in Wales. We travel to Liverpool together. I drive, he doesn't. 
Um, so I'd finished work, picked him up straight away, uh, picked him up straight away and drove straight to Liverpool. So show's probably supposed to start, I'd imagine, dark match about half past six. I don't finish work till five and it's an hour journey to Liverpool, the best of times. So we were up against it. Uh, so I set off five o'clock to get to Liverpool. We counted traffic on the way because it was rush hour traffic. Everyone else was finishing D side, etc., all coming on to the 55. And basically, we were running stupidly late. Um, we didn't know until the moment we got there that there was going to be a dark match. So we were thinking, well, ahead of time, we're a bit later than we wanted to be, but we can still get in, find out what the uh, what matches we're going to be doing or what uh, matches Jay wants us to do. And then, you know, seven o'clock doors open, first match, plenty of time. So we pull, I think I pulled up and dropped Max off and I went to go and find a parking space. So yeah. I came back and at that point, um, I think I was approached by Liam potentially and she was like are you reffing this match and I was like I haven't got a clue Max was quote-unquote head referee at the time and I said I'll have to ask him and the next thing I know that Max is basically running to the ring in his in his jeans not like his ref attire he's got a ref top on and a pair of blue bloody Kangol <laughs> jeans or something I don't even I don't even recall if he managed to put shoes on or not if he was wearing his like Caterpillar boots, but yeah. he essentially refed the first match, the, the the dark match, the talent were already in the ring, and they were waiting on Max to get to the ring so they could start the match. <laughs> so he comes running out, this little flaky little man dwarf, off he comes in his in his jeans, and he refs the, the dark match. Uh yeah, in his in his jeans, well, because he got there too late. It was yeah. I don't think I've done that story very much justice. Uh, but it was it was quite hilarious. Uh, I think there's a video somewhere of Leanne, basically. Yeah, I've, I've, Come on, Max! Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's Leanne that, that, that recorded it, because that's kind of where I saw it, because I don't think I'd have yeah. been at that one. Um, yeah, he's just running down like the... Um, <laughs> when it, run, running through this sort of changing room, he's got his Jeremy Clarkson kind of blue jeans on, yeah. his sort of uh, sandy-coloured caterpillar boots, and his... Black just, sort of TNT referee, yeah, and he's tucking himself in <laughs> as he's running past. Oh, he's, he's a good egg. I mean, he does look like old man stepped her in the face, but he's, he's such a good egg. He gets he does get a bit of abuse, but Max is he's, he's a good egg, he's definitely a good egg. Yeah, we've had we've had our differences. He doesn't hold his beer very well, um, but yeah, in inside, like he's got a heart of gold. Yeah, yes. I, I, I was literally going to go through to like the sort of final segment of the show, but you've just made something click in my head. What? Would it have, would it have been the? No, actually, let me think. Let me think. Because when we were saying earlier in the show, you you've done a couple shows for me. You yeah. crashed at my house one time because you, obviously you fell asleep. That's um, the last time we saw each other. Yeah, you fell asleep in, in the, 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 the chair of my sort of living room. Yeah. But you were, in your, you were in your normal gear and you came to the, I assume you came to the pub with us after and all it, this sort of... I, it was purposely just so we could go out on the piss. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah. So that, that's maybe that's where we're getting it confused. You, you, you've been at my shows, but you've worked one show. Yeah, potentially. Um, 
I was like, yeah, you came up on your own. And she said, I've got to drive back. I can't drink. I was like, mate, just crash my house. Plenty of sofas and all this sort of stuff. Like, yeah, cool. And we, you know, we went. So far, I shared a bed with Dave Lovecchio. This, is, yep, this is. Well, you fell asleep in the the chair in the lounge because we've got yeah, a picture. I, of, I was absolutely like, fucked. Yep. Uh, I mean, like, if people come to the press and a few after parties, we we like to party. We, we yeah, we go balls to the yeah, wall. Yeah, we old, old brown jug. I think it was. Yeah, it was, it was either the jug or the rigger. It was the rigger when Max was here. I, I remember yeah, this. We've been to the rigger a few times, but I believe it was all brown jug first. I think we tried to walk up to the rigger, but they'd stopped letting in or they were shutting by the time we got there. Yeah, so we'd have to walk like all the way back fucking down again. But like the, the Max Davies, so I know he's refereed one of our shows. I'm yeah. relatively certain on that. I think he did some bit with, he did a segment with Pitbull, he took a battery in, and yourself. And Max, and I swear there's someone else, there's a third person, but I don't remember for life on I me mean, who it was. Um, but you all came out after the show. Maybe it was Steve Saxon. Yeah, we did go to the rig. I was drive. I, I, I've always, I'm the one that drives out of everyone, so I was always Desi. Yeah, that, that's what it must be, because remember... Is that yeah, when Max it, tried to hit someone with a pool cue in the rigger? It was, and um, cause remember, like, um, there's like some takeaways over the road from the rigger, so no yeah, one... there you, is. What one or two of you went go get takeaways? I just remember seeing Maxie's face; like he was gone. Like it just his eyes had turned to piss holes in the snow. Yeah. There was actually no, nobody home. That just reminded me that day, that night. Sorry, we were driving, but I was driving back from Stoke, and it was me, Saxon in the front, Chris Dutton and Max Davis in the back, and I was driving up the M6. At the speed limit, obviously, because it was, you know, unreasonable. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't speed. And we were absolutely ripping Max, absolutely ripping him. And we had to stop uh, on the hard shoulder of the M6 because Max needed a fucking chunder. So oh. he got out on the side of the road, chundered everywhere. And then, because he got when he got back in the car, me and Saxon were relentless, just ripping him even even further to the point he got that ang- angry. He tried to grab Sax in the front and get through into the front of the car <laughs> while I was driving down the M6. I was like, Max, get the fuck back in your seat now, or we're gonna crash. <laughs> He's just like, What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, so when you say he was gone, his eyes were like piss holes, and he literally he was he doesn't even remember doing it. He claimed. <laughs> Uh, hilarious oh my god yeah i mean like when, when we go to the you know, the brown jog or we go to the rig for the after show parties um like i've got you know, I, I take quite a bit of money to shows because I, I we've had a, like a show very early doors where we didn't have enough money in our pockets to pay everything and since then i've got more than enough on me to cover if nobody shows up, like zero people show up, yeah. I can pay everything off because I never well, want that be. embarrassment. <laughs> yeah, like I don't want that embarrassment to have to ask yeah, any favours and whatever. So, yeah, we dropped the stuff at my house. We're like, you know what? We'll just, we'll just head straight out. And during, like, when we go, yeah, we go to the bar and like, oh, how much are shots of sours? Oh, it's, it's, it's a pound a shot for sours. Um, or you can get like six full of fiver. You're like, all right, cool. Can we have, and I just pull some money out of my pocket and go, 60 Less quid. Many. <laughs> and like, you want 60 quid's worth of shots? Yes. And at one point, I think we had like 140 shots on our table. Crazy. 
which is crazy. yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. We, we we like to celebrate, and yeah, I remember Max was playing pool with someone like yeah, the rigger. You put your fifty p down, whatever, and you take on whoever's just won. Yeah, winner yeah. stays kind of thing. And yeah, like I swear, I remember being, I don't know if he'd hit someone with a cue because he was he didn't too hit, But he was he was at the point where if someone didn't step in, he was going to. Oh, is it, he is the, the, the sort of the epitome of small man syndrome, Napoleon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's lovely, but he is like that little scrappy do character. Let me at him. Let me at him. Yeah, he's he's kind of got that about him. Yeah, bless him. Speaking he, of fighting, he, I, one thing. Sorry to cut you off. I just thought I did. I never touched on the fact that from our years of wrestling training, we went. Obviously, I did the refereeing on the side. We never actually touched on the fact that I did have one wrestling match. He wasn't on an official card. It was at a carnival show, which obviously uh, anyone who knows anything about the carny scene is where most people, most trainees go to, to you know, hone their craft and learn. You know, it's the first sort of taste of any uh, sort of public events that you get to do. Um, and it was a carny show in my hometown, uh, where my birthplace, and I was in a six-man tag match. I wore. Ryloid pleather trousers, which were actually Steve Sackens before that, and a Wales rugby top that was slightly too small, so my belly stuck out the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember who was in the match now. I think it was me, a couple of the BWP trainees, and then I was again, me and one of the BWP against, uh, I think it was Phil Dixon, the Scouse lad, and John Newton. What's his yeah. uh, What's his gimmick again? Oh, the, 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 the guy. Miles Johnson. That's him. That's it was uh, yeah against those two, and I remember uh, winning the match with a really shit spear, and then getting on the turnbuckle like I'd won WrestleMania, and then uh, there's a few family members in the crowd. I was absolutely sweating my bollocks off because it was in the middle of summer, and I just remember like just hugging my family like I'd just won WrestleMania. It was the best <laughs> moment of my life. <laughs> so I, um, obviously I didn't know that you'd, you'd had a, an actual proper match. No, but I, I'm going to have to ask, like, take you taking bumps and wrestling. Do you reckon that you made the right decision going into refereeing, or is there a bit of you that says I really wanted to wrestle more? I really wanted to wrestle more. Oh, okay. But, but I'm a lazy shit and I hate exercise. I mean, you like? Do you, are you still doing the chefing, or have you moved on from the chefing? You, you never really see thin chefs; they're usually quite stocky. I was uh, no, I haven't, I haven't been uh, chefing since I've been wrestling. Since I was in training, I did oh, okay. quit chefing in the December of 2015, and then started training in the April of 2016. Because I was working weekends, so I didn't get a chance to do any of the training and stuff. Oh yeah, it sort of went hand in hand. I mean, when you're in, you're in your thirties now, mate, everything sort of slows down and uh, all this sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, um, I'd say t- take the easier life, and as much as I'm sure you're missing not actually doing the wrestling. Yeah, the the the, the wrestling, the, everything else that's going on kept me occupied and kept me in in the business and kept me in the loop. So it's not it's not so bad. It's only when you ask the question and. And said to look back, and do you ever regret? And absolutely, yeah, I do. Uh, well, I mean, you know, it, it's all—it's all about the future. Yeah, it's all about trying new stuff. Because, I mean, like, have you thought about trying your hand at either commentary or announcing? I don't feel like I've got the voice for commentary, commentary or announcing. 
my uh, my lisp is quite impairing to to what I can do. I don't feel I have a, you know, I feel like commentary needs to be quite clear and concise. And I don't feel I could offer that, especially in the uh, if I was uh, calling matches, you know, in the moment I'd get quite stumbly over my words or use wrong words or probably swear quite a few times. That's fine, really, mate. I mean, um, used to... I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I mean, I've got like a little bit of a speech impediment, you know, so a bit of a lisp and all this sort of stuff. So when uh, Unstoppable Wrestling came and asked if wanted to uh, you know, announce their shows, I'm like, um, I'm okay. I mean, I suppose I can do that. I mean, you know, and I just... Just do the best as you know, what yeah. I can. I mean, I'm not the by you know, no means am I on par with a magic with a magic mark, Kieran Moran, uh, Mike Angus, even you know, Kim Rocks, and uh, even Leanne as well. You know, like yeah, all these people far better than me. But I know I can offer what I lack in that uh, sort of monolithic speech tone. You know, that sort of the the, the you know, Howard the Fink kind of what you imagine you know, announcers should sound like. Well, I kind of lack in that sort of stuff. I can make up for it in other ways, you know, with mm-hmm. being a bit cheeky and all this other stuff. So even if you don't necessarily think you sound like an announcer, I'm sure like you did with the the, the role in Britannia Wrestling, I'm sure you'd make it your own. Commentary, yeah. like with the headset on, a bit more difficult. I find commentary really fucking difficult. But announcing, you can just have some fun with people. Yeah, I never um, tried uh, any of them, to be honest. Um, so, who who knows what the future holds? Maybe it's something I could dabble in. Um, God, God, I don't know what's going to be uh, in store for me in the future of wrestling anyway. Like I said, I took that time off. I'm quite enjoying my time away from it. I enjoy having my weekends free. I enjoy doing things. So, if I go back to it, I don't know. I don't know. Yes, I've been. I mean, yeah. It's a it's a weird thing. It's a weird business to be in because you know, for the most part, there's going to be five of you in a Fiat fucking punto with your bags on your knees. You've just finished one job. Um, you've just jumped straight in the car. You've got some McDonald's food that you've probably spent ten quid on, and someone's someone's in the car has got fucking Tupperware and it's stinking the entire car out. Yeah. You drive to a show. You get a bit sweaty. You get knackered. You earn twenty quid. Then you drive home knackered and you stink. So it's a weird business to be in, but we all just seem to love doing it for some reason. Yeah, it's weird. It just gets you. But um, speaking of the future, I do want to move you into the final sort of segment of the podcast. Absolutely. Um, we might have to do another podcast, you know. I've got so much more I could talk about. Mate, I, I, we, we always leave some meat on the table. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, always want to do a part two, part three. We always want to do that. So we kind of do the sort of bare bones of the show, we kind of get some shits and giggles in, but yeah, there's, there's always meat on the table for parts two, three, four, five, whatever you want to do. So this is something that I kind of learned in one of my day jobs in the office, which I fucking hated when I was working in the office, but I think it applies to life and applies to professional wrestling. Maybe now more than ever, it's called stop, start, continue. Now in, our, in the office environment, the always you know, management kind of put that to you and it's really contrived, and it's really bullshit, and they're just trying to ju- justify your own job. You know yeah. what I mean? It's one of those things. But what I want from you, 
Uh, I want you to say one thing in the wrestling business that you think we need to stop doing, one thing in the wrestling business we need to start doing, and also one thing in the wrestling business you think we need to continue. So something that we do really well or something that you are proud of that we that we do in this business. Something along those kind of lines. So a stop, start, and continue. It might sound cliche as fuck, but I'm going to say it anyway. But the stop has to be, you know, based on the back of the speaking out movement and everything else that's going on. Just stop being weird, creepy, rapey little freaks and just leave people alone. Don't groom people. Don't be horrible to people. Don't assault people. Just stop it. Just be a decent human. We touched on it earlier. Be nice to people. There's no need yeah. for it. I, I, if anyone says anything otherwise, then that's fair enough, fair enough to them. But it's something that, in all honesty, I don't think will ever go away. You know, how it's one of them problems that are always going to exist. It's, it pains me to say, but it's never, ever going to go away in the world, not just in the wrestling business, in the world. It's, it's horrible. It's grim. It's sick. I don't understand why people do see the need to do it, but... They do, but if I could, st- if I could stop something, then absolutely, let's just get rid of that. There's, there's no need for it. I mean, like you definitely went into dad mode then, and you're like, just stop it. I was like, yeah, that's, that's definitely dad mode. Fucking down. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, we've done it. We've done a stop. Now yeah. we need a start. What is something we need to start doing in this business? What we should start doing in this business? Um. Oh, you see, you put me on the spot, and I sound like a retard now because I'm thinking and I'm erming and I'm ahhing, and I'm like, Mate, should that, that, that's what that's what wrestling's about. That's what I'm about. I'm all about the improv. I'm all about just doing it. You know, just just wing it. Actually, do you know what I think? We as a community should start doing this. Stop taking ourselves so fucking seriously. Wrestling's supposed to be fun. Wrestling's supposed to be enjoyable. It's supposed to be entertaining, and I feel that the industry is sometimes just too serious like to start enjoying it to start yeah, it's not about fun. it's not about having five star matches on every single slot of the card it's not about being you know just everyone seems to want to be wwe doing you know new japan style matches every single match but that's not what wrestling's about. Wrestling's supposed to be an entertainment show and there's different forms of entertainment. We've touched on it already throughout the, the the podcast, but there's different levels that people want out of wrestling. So just start enjoying what you're doing. You know, don't I think you've got it down to a T. You know, you have amazing matches, you tell amazing stories, but you also have a laugh with it. And for me, I like that out of wrestling. I do like the good matches, but there's a you don't need every match being a five star match. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, no place, there's no place for it. Uh, if you were here right now and we didn't have the possibility of killing each other, I would give you such a kiss. <laughs> it's true. Well, that, that's it how is I, very that, true. It's my, it's my opinion. And that, sorry, it's not true. It's my opinion. That's how I feel. Uh, and the last one being continue. Yeah, so um, something that you're either proud of or something that we as a business, as a wrestling society, I suppose, something we do well, whether it's in comparison to sports or film or TV, take that however you want to take it. something we need to continue doing. It almost goes hand in hand with uh, the first point, you know, continue looking out. I said about how much of a family aspect the wrestling business is. Continue, continue that. We don't, because of everything that's happened, we don't want to lose that. 
still be friendly with people, still have a laugh with people, you know, still make bonds and connections to people. You know, that that's massive part of this industry, the family aspect of it. Just continue, continue being nice, continue making friendships, continue making memories. Mate, absolutely perfect, absolutely perfect. So I like putting people on the spot with this stop, start, continue, because as much as I hated hearing it day in, day out and meetings and working on that sort of thing, we get some really good answers. I mean, my personal one uh, for for continue that I kind of put out on, a, on an episode or two ago was other shows need to start putting food in the locker room. Now, it doesn't have to be that much. We're just talking so a bit of fruit, some crisps. Yeah. Like how, much, how much does a 20-pack of multi-pack of crisps cost Quid. from, like, Aldi or something? It's... You know what I mean? Just yeah, I get that. Of... Sorry, I, I've got more for philosophical, philosophical with my answers. But yeah, I suppose there is things that can be done. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just thinking about shoveling food into my face because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a fatty these days. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, I mean, 10 quid on food and you, you keep a lot of people happy. They're busting their arse and sweating their guts out for you. So exactly. a, bit of, a bit of crisps, a bottle of water, a, maybe a banana or something, some biscuits. Yeah. And, yeah, people will be the, the amount of difference and the amount of smiles that pop on people's faces. Other fucking wrestling promotions put some fucking food in the locker rooms. Yeah, that's my one. Definitely yeah. my one. Um, so obviously we've kind of come to a close. It's been a bit stop, start, and continue. When people obviously listen to this, it'll all be one show. But ladies and gents, we have had like three or four different segments of this show. We've had to kind of go back <laughs> a little bit. So that's major Skype issues. Skype is playing sort of hell with us. Um, you should have known so, it's going to be like this, Phil. Nothing's easy with me around. I mean, nothing's easy with me. I mean, it, it did the same with Steve Saxon's episode. It, it kept going out a little bit. So maybe it's Welsh internet. Maybe it's Stoke internet. Maybe it's a bit of both. Maybe it's the weather. Maybe. Who even knows? Now, usually at this kind of point when we sign off, I say to the um, uh, my, my guest, have you got anything that you want to promote? It seems a bit strange kind of asking you that. Yeah. Um, but is there anything that you... So say if... I tell you what, I haven't got anything to promote, but if anyone is listening to this in terms of looking to get into the industry, yes, I wasn't in it for a great deal of time, three, four years. Uh, you, you seem to think I achieved a lot in that time. Looking back and speaking about it, I didn't even touch on some of the stuff I've done and accomplished, so I can maybe agree to that to some extent. But take your opportunities. Just because you might not like doing something or want to do it, just take it, do it. Just anything that someone has enough of a, you know, take to anyone that's going to take a chance on you or gives has some belief in you to do a job, do it and do it to the fucking best of your ability. Give anything, any task that you're given 100%. And then as long as you know that you've tried your best, no one else can say anything against that. Mate, I, I don't think I could fucking, I could put it better than that. You know what? That's such a great, positive, optimistic outlook. If I carry on talking, I'm going to end up ruining it. So I think that is the perfect line to absolutely end <laughs> this episode on. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. It, it, it's always is. Now, I know that as much as you're enjoying your sort of downtime, I know what I'm like and I know what you're like. So it's only going to be a matter of time before shows are back. And we'll say, Johnny, we're gonna we're gonna try it. Johnny B. Goodman is is not very off into the sunset yet. Still <laughs> well, we'll see, won't we? Yeah, there's still plenty of life left in you. And I think knowing how much fun I had being that manager 
because that was my bread and butter for so many years. I think you're going to have so much fun doing it. It's going to be scary as fuck, but I know you're going to enjoy it. And there'll be people that you connect with, the people that you won't necessarily connect with, but you still want to manage them. And that's just the whole ride of of being in that of being in that manager role. And I think at some point, whether it takes a couple of months, whether it takes a couple of years, or whether ten years from now, I think you're going to do it at some point. And I don't think you're going to stop until I do. So, oh no, one more one more Skype issue right that's before we it. fucking sign. Well, I know the the fans are going to love giving you shit when you do it. So you're going to enjoy doing it, and the fans are going to love you doing it as well. So don't close that door just yet. Just kind of put it on the latch. Absolutely. Super. The back door is open. (laughs) Oh, we're back to Kim Rocks again now, aren't we? There we go. We are going to have to leave it there. We could honestly, we'll tangent all the way till next week. This is what happens when you leave it over a year and speaking to me. It's your yeah, fault. So, I, I do apologise. Like to be fair, it's been it's been nuts. It's really it has been, been nuts. Been. It has been. Yeah. Um, but mate, thank you very much been... for having me on. Thank you very much for you know. I know you put the post out there. He would like to do it. You didn't have to choose me. You're like, what's he got? What stories he got to tell? But um, it, it feels nice to be able to just chat about shit that I've done. So well, I mean, like, even though we say that, yeah, we, obviously we're going to do a part two at some point and all this sort of stuff to go from being a fan. To be in a co-booker for a, a promotion within three or four years, that's the story I wanted. And I'm so glad I managed to get you on because I want people to hear this about you. Because even if they don't necessarily uh, know you or seen you, you've got a journey that no one else can really tread in those same footsteps. It'll always be different every time. So honestly, John, it's been an absolute fucking, it's been an absolute blast for me to get you on. So I'm very, very glad that we did. Thank you so much, Phil. Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening, and we'll definitely catch up again soon. No worries. So, uh, ladies and gents, this has been Series 3, Episode 12 of the Person Few Podcast, Snap, Crackle, and Cheap Pops. He's been Johnny B. Goodman. I've been Mr. Phil Woodvine. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening. Check out Pro Wrestling For You on all social media platforms and stream our back catalogue of shows over at pw4uondemand.co.uk.